Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. And now back to part two of our interview with Willie Rowe. What was it like when Mike Ditka came in and coached? Uh, we worked hard with Ditka. Uh, I don't remember it being as hard as it was with Moore. I remember being tough. Uh, but we, it, it was hard. Uh, we had, we had a tough year in 96 and in 97, uh, that was probably the worst, you know, more, more left in the, during the season and, uh, you know, I, I, the losing gets to you, you know, I mean, I, I, 94, 95, I was glamour of the year, you know, all pro. We were both, we were 79, two years in a row. 96, you know, we were three and 13 and then more, I mean, then, uh, Mike Dick had come in and, uh, you know, 97 was a, was a tough year for me. I, I wasn't in the best shape. You know, wasn't taking care of it. Was, it was a transition year for me. You know, either I was going to get myself together and really become a pro, or, or I was going to be out the league in a couple of years uh, if I didn't get it together. And, uh, you know, I, I needed I needed Dicker, and I needed 97. You know, Dick Stanfield, the old legendary coach who was up for the Hall of Fame, I hope he does get in one day, Dick Stanfield, was on that staff in, in 97 to 98. And, uh, oh, Detroit Lions, uh, the great lineman. And uh, I'm so glad. I, I mean, he would get in there and run on the treadmill and do stuff. And you would see him working out and, and the way he pushed his body and, and the shape he was in, real real clean cut, man. And, uh, you know, that 97 was a real tough year for me. Chuck Smith got after me when Atlanta came to town uh, uh, in 97. And after that, I went to Duke, and I really got in real good shape. I played a lot of basketball up there, and uh, and was doing a lot of running, and uh, I really got in got in real good shape, and and, and played real hard in '98. Uh, you know, I, I really didn't want to let the team down, but I, you know, I wanted Coach Stanfield to be proud of me, and uh, and you know, after that '97 year, you know, I made sure before I hurt my knee, before I got traded to uh, Kansas City. I paid for myself to go to Duke again and train. You know, uh, Peyton Manning goes up there and has passing camp sometimes. It's, it's beautiful up there in that time of year and uh, up there in Raleigh dorm area. But um, uh, I wanted to make sure I was ready to play when I got to Kansas City in 2002. So, uh, you know, my thing was after that year, I was going to make sure that I was ready to play. And if I stepped on that football field, I was going to, uh, you know, give, give my best effort, you know, after, after the 97 year. I feel bad for Dick Stanfield. He was a finalist for the Hall of Fame when you were going in the Hall of Fame, and he didn't get it. It's twice he's been a finalist. I would, and he wasn't a finalist the year after year because they 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 let old old, old Jack Butler in and Dick Stanfield, the the, the, the nicest guy you could have. Uh, I, I would stand beside him uh, every national national anthem that 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 '98 season, and uh, you know I, he, I think he I made him proud. I went out there and played real hard. In 99, we got another coach, but I'm so glad that uh, I got to meet him and play underneath him. He's just a wonderful man, and he deserved to go in the Hall of Fame, and uh, I hope he does. I think he's still living in Chicago. I hope he I is. Hope he's, he in Liberty, he's in Libertyville. He's about 20 minutes from here. Yeah, I, I hope I hope they put him in. He's a great, great man. Great man to play for. What was it like when uh, Ricky Williams came to the Saints? A circus. <laughs> um it was tough. It was tough that year. And Ricky came in '99. First of all, they traded the whole draft for him, and then they, you know, put him in that wedding dress. And uh, <laughs> you, if you don't remember, they, and then and then he signs with Master P. 
So he gets the worst contract in NFL history. <laughs> then he then he's playing. Then he's talking about I'm gonna reach these numbers, these crazy numbers to get these incentives. He had to reach. I mean, it was uh, he had to rush for like 1,500 yards a couple of years. It was just astronomical numbers they put on him, and and and, and didn't really give him, didn't really give him a lot of money up front for even the pick he got paid. Okay, and 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 and, and, and I mean. They took advantage of Ricky and, and, you know, were kind of laughing at him behind his back. So Ricky was very immature at that time. And I thought, watching Ricky play college football, the way he was perceived on TV, as good a football player he was at college, I thought Ricky was a lot more mature than what he was. But Ricky just was a very immature, sensitive kid and uh, got, got himself in a situation where, you know, he lashed, basically he was lashing out. The whole time he was there because of the contract, once he got there and, you know, he, he was he was lashing out, doing stuff, acting aloof on purpose, partially on purpose because because he realized what, what had been done and, 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 and what was he going to do about it, you know. He really couldn't do anything about the situation with the contract they had him, and uh, it, it was it was bad, you know. It was, it, you know, you try to take a positive spin on it, but, I mean, they put that kid in a in a real tough situation, and uh, and uh, it, it was it was, you know, in '99 before Dickin left uh, was another tough year, and uh, you know I, I do remember going to Baltimore and playing against uh, Mike McCrary and uh, Johnny United standing on the sideline, how excited I was to be playing in front of Johnny United before the before he passed away, but. Uh, uh, you know, Ricky. Uh, I mean, that was that was a circus. You know, that was a circus, a lot, a lot of hoopla. But you know, it was a circus, and, and it took Ricky. Uh, you know, Ricky had a good year in 2000, and then he got hurt. He had, uh, you know, I think he had a thousand yards in ten games. He was having a hell of a year, and we went to the playoffs and won the first playoffs that game that year. Uh, more so by our offense and defensive line carried that team. Uh, we had we had real good offense and defensive line that that year. And we had taken Dan Howard from Kansas State, and he is a rookie. And Leroy Glover, the D tackle, had like 17 sacks, and Joe Johnson. But uh, uh, Ricky didn't really become a pro, I don't think, until he got to Miami, and uh, I think that's when he became a pro. So it, it, it was it was a tough deal for the kid, and I used to go check on him because he lived close by me. But uh, like I said, he would have people at his house and, and, and high school kids over there ride driving his cars. Uh, you know, he, he just he. he just wasn't ready to. He wasn't ready for the pros. Was there any temptation during practice to kind of let a defensive tackle get a nice clear shot at him to knock some sense into him? <laughs> well, no. I mean, they they they, they would they wouldn't. I mean, they, they're not gonna they're not gonna try to take hit him hard anyway. You know, once you get into the season and in practice, if it's during the season, you're not gonna hit your star running back hard. You're not gonna try to take somebody that's a star player. I mean. It, 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 you know, you just felt, you know, a lot of people felt, you know, they, they felt for the kid because you're looking at where, you know, I mean, they put him, they put him in this situation. So obviously we're all in, in the locker room with him and you got a lot of guys that are, you know, you got a lot of guys that are upset about the, you know, them, them, you know, what's happening to him because he doesn't understand. You know, he's trying to come into the league and, and, you know, I mean, obviously everybody thinks they're going to be Jim Brown or this or that or, you know, Ricky ended up having a good career, a solid career, but, you know, he didn't understand what he was dealing with, and you know when when manage, when, they, when you know when people when 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 you think or you perceive that people are laughing at you and laughing 
you know, and you and you in this in this situation that you really have no control over once you've been in the league for a year or two and under, start to understand the business of the NFL, then like you said, you you know, you lash out and you do things that you uh probably regret. And I and I know he regrets that and regrets some of the stuff he did and uh I you know, I I I think Ricky and Ricky was uh was looked upon as a leader at the end of his career, especially in Baltimore. Those guys looked up to Ricky. Ricky was a hard worker now. Ricky came out and worked hard. He just was, uh, you know, he just was a little more aloof off. When you got traded by New Orleans to Kansas City, did it come as a surprise? No, not at no. Uh, I don't know if you guys really know that told the story. You know, I was in a tough, tough predicament then. It was some uh, indoors, indoors about some family situations going on. And, uh, you know, I've been there nine years, and, you know, we won that playoff game. But uh, you know, at that time, um, I think that was the best thing for me. Uh, with the situation the way it was, I wasn't going to go back to New Orleans and play football. And I, and I kind of forced their hand, and the Saints paid 500000 to trade me, and I had to go take a new contract with incentives and uh, – Mostly incentives. I went from supposed to sign a three-year, thirteen million dollar contract to signing, you know, a three-year, eight million dollar contract, but but mostly incentive based. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it any other way. I had to go earn my strike. Basically, I had to go start over in Kansas City, and uh, you know, I went and saw Dr. Andrews and had that knee surgery, and uh, just blessed to come off just blessed to come off that surgery, and, and, and I had a knee scope in '98 and came back in 12 days, so. The scope was a little different than ACL, but I knew I came back from a knee surgery pretty quickly. So uh, I was looking forward to that challenge, and I knew I, I knew I didn't want to end my career uh, limping off the field trying to play with a bad knee, and, and and I didn't want to end my career like that in 2001. So uh, I just I just was was looking forward to the opportunity to get the chance. I think the grass saved me a couple of years also. So. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was a blessing in disguise that I went to uh, play in Kansas City with three other guys that made the Pro Bowl, another one that'll be in the Hall of Fame, and you know we we turned out to be one of the best lines. I think in that in that time we were the best line in the league, and, uh, and we had a, we, we had a real good line, and and, and I was for, I'm, I'm very fortunate that uh, in the expansion draft for the Houston Oilers, the Texans. Uh, they took Tony Baselli that year, and they said they didn't want to take anybody over 30. And I was coming off knee surgery, and uh, they didn't take me. And Baselli went up there, and uh, he was battling his labrums and knees and stuff. And uh, like I said, that was the first major, major surgery. I just had back surgery a couple months ago. But uh, that was the first, you know, my body was I was starting to feel it. But I got to go up there and play on that grass. So, you know, I, I'm just glad I ended up going to Kansas City. Uh, finishing my year, finishing my career up there, and uh, it, it's a, it, you know, it was a blessing in disguise. I see that you're the all-decade team in the 90s and 2000s. Not many people can say they accomplished that. How did that feel? Uh, that, it, it was great. I remember uh, my agent, Peter Schaefer and Lamont Smith, I was uh, calling. I didn't know if I was going to make it for the. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to make make the All Decade team for the uh, for the 90s, and I was so anticipating getting a chance to make it. And I remember calling my agent, and I think Dan Patrick let him know that I made the team ahead of time. So I was just so ecstatic that I made it 
you know, came in in 93, you know, you have to come in at a certain point early enough that you get to play most of the decade, but then you get to play a long time, so you get to play in the next decade. But I remember finding out from somebody, it was him or John Clayton that let me know I made it. Um, and if I hadn't gone to Kansas City and played for the Chiefs, I wouldn't have made it for the 2000. So, you know, it's great that I played the 2000 season in New Orleans, got hurt in 2001, so really I made that 2000 all-decade team the second team all-decade, not first team, and the Kansas City Chiefs. So the fact that I got to go up there and have four real, four real good football seasons, our starting line the first two years didn't miss a game. John Tate left, went to Chicago. For the next year, the other four of us didn't miss another game for three straight years. And then I got hurt the last year. Well, you know, Will Shields, who beat me for the Allen Trophy my senior year, he hadn't missed a game. He didn't miss a game for 14 years after he got in the lineup his rookie year. And I think Casey Wegman started 11 or 12 years between Kansas City and Denver and back to Kansas City without missing a down for like 10 or 11 years. So, And Brian Waters has made the Pro Bowl four times, five times, and he's playing with the Cowboys now. And he made the Pro Bowl with the Patriots and the Chiefs. So, I mean, we, we had some pretty good linemen. And, and uh, like like I said, I, I attributed to uh, taking care of myself, especially late in my career when you're, you know, you're taking your tour, you know, you take your tour all shots during the week. You take your uh, anti-inflammatories, your tour all shots on game day. And, uh, you know, your body hurts after the game, but you, you know, basically you get on the, on the routine. So you go to the chiropractor. I would go to the chiropractor every Wednesday but I had a massage every Wednesday night, and if I played on the road, it would be Friday night. If I played at home, it would be a lighter massage on Saturday. So the stretching, the the masseuse, the chiropractor, I remember coming into the league those first four or five years. I looked at them guys going to the chiropractor and stuff. I was them. I said, man, what are they doing? Why do they? Why these guys need to go get this chiropractor, get these massages? Because, you know, I mean, I could just bounce back then. And as I got older, I started to realize, oh, now... I understand why they need to get that done every every week. I didn't understand it when I was young because I was blessed with so much ability. But as I got older, I realized, you know, okay, now your your body your body starts hurting. And you need this, especially the, those those massages are, are key for you, especially when you get older. What's more painful, playing football or going to the dentist? <laughs> It depends on the it dentist, matters, right? It matters, what getting, it matters what you're getting done. At the, at the if you're getting a bridge or a root canal, I'd say go to the dentist. How did you get the nickname Nasty? Uh, older in my, in my career, I would mess with guys and do stuff in the locker room. Or, you know, just uh, doing the game, if you have to use the bathroom, you can't go leave the, leave the, leave the field. I mean, uh, that's what they make water bottles for. So you take a knee. You take a knee on the sideline, you use the bathroom, and you got white pants on, you make sure. Well, obviously, you're drinking a lot of fluids anyway, so it's not going to be real yellow anyway. But, you know, you use the water bottle to clean it up to make sure nobody can tell. But you can't leave the stadium and use the bathroom. Jim McMahon told the story that his center was so scared during a game, he shit in his pants, McMahon went in the shotgun because he wanted to put his hands under center. <laughs> I heard that story, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he, I mean... <laughs> Well, I, I, no, I wasn't that scared. I wasn't. Sure. I wasn't. Sure. But, but if I had to, if I had to to, to uh, take a quick whiz, I wasn't gonna hold it. I, I'm not gonna hold it 
in the middle of the football game and I gotta go out here and block some three hundred pound guy, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take to make sure I get all those fluids out. Another thing too that you have to you don't eat a lot pregame. See, even if you're a night game, if it's a if it's a noon game, I, I you might eat. I would need more than just a handful of food because I wanted to feel light during the game. Or it matters who you played against. See, what, what, what Mill had to figure out about me was, I mean, if I'm three ten, three twelve, and I got to go up against Richard Seymour, you know, I'm a little light, and I in the three four defense, he's gonna get underneath me. Now, if I'm playing against Dwight Freeney, I need to be a little lighter. Then I need to be against a bigger defensive lineman than 3-4 because I got to move his butt off the ball. So, you know, we had weight, and I would fluctuate between 310 and, you know, 318. And if I was 318, you know, that would be two or three pounds of weight. Sometimes I would get mad at me. So you had to be careful what water bottle you were drinking out of, right? Yeah, you just had to make sure you got that. <laughs> make sure you went to the gym the night before and got those couple pounds off, got in that steam room. What was it like going in the Hall of Fame? Uh, unbelievable. Uh, being there, being there with Forrest Gregg, being there with those guys, uh, that you, that you, uh, you know, I never, I never had an idea that, you know, some people say it's their dream to play football their lives. Well, you know, I, I never could have imagined, like some of those guys, of even going, thinking about, about him going pro, let alone Hall of Fame. And I grew up a Steeler fan, big Steeler fan. You know, I always saw, most people in that area were Cowboys fans, but I was a Steelers fan because we didn't have, you didn't have to raise back, we didn't have a pro team. Uh, so me and Joe Green and Franco Harris, Terry Bradshaw, where I played college ball, I mean, I, I mean, you know, that was my team. And, and I'm in the hall with, with those guys in, in the, um, rest in peace, L.C. Greenwood. He played at UAP, UA, UA, M and N when he went to college before he went to the Steelers. But, uh, you, you know, I was a big Steelers fan, so to be there with those guys, to be around, to be, I get to, you know, I still get to feel like you're in the locker room. You know, you go in there with, you hanging out with Dick Buckus and, and, uh, Jim Brown and, uh, you go out at the hotel or at the Hall of Fame. We sit out there and I, and I listen to stories that Frank Belenistikoff says or some of the DBs are coming there that he played in the same age with him and they're talking about guys and, what these guys used to do and, and telling those stories, you know, you, you just get to soak it all in. And, and, and it's wonderful for me to hear those stories and soak it all in. And these guys talking about, you know, their careers and, 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 and what, what they, what they, uh, you know, the experience they went through. Coaches. I think the only guy more excited about you going in the Hall of Fame was your dad because he was just going on that stage when you got your gold jacket. Oh, yeah. My dad, I mean, my dad, my, I think my dad feels like I got to continue what he didn't get to finish as a football player. So, like I said, he was so excited for me to go in the Hall. And um, and he was, he was, you know, obviously very happy, and, and I was happy, and uh, the whole family. And like I said, the awards keep coming. Um, you know, going in in the museum with my mom, you, you don't think that um, as a football player, you know, all all that stuff can try to impact your family, but it does. And uh, like I said, it's, it's been it's been the whole Hall of Fame and everything since. I mean, going in the the Black Hall of Fame, the Arkansas Hall of Fame, uh, the Louisiana Sport. Any any time you go in the Hall of Fame, um, it's it's a blessing. And, and I've gone in quite a few now, so 
to think I could I could do all this through sports is uh is wonderful and uh, I mean I don't take it for granted. You know I appreciate it and uh, you know my kids can or my grandkids or whoever. You know I remember growing up and I had a cousin that played pro football and I didn't get to meet him for a while. But you know they would always when I was what you got a cousin that played in the NFL and you know his name is. Uh, such and such, and, and, I, and I think I saw his football card one time, and you know I was so, you know I was so excited, you know that I had a family member that that played in the NFL, you know, and uh, and uh, you know my family gets to go look at me in a whole bunch of in different parts of the country. They'll they'll be able to see me in in, uh, in quite a few museums if they want to go see me uh, in Canada. You know they got that mural of me. With uh, they got a mural up with me and um, and uh, uh, D. Emmett Smith and uh, Joe Montana and uh, and um, and Howie Long at the new part of the Hall of Fame. And, and, I mean, that's gonna be there. So, I mean, if my family wants to go see me, you know, from 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 here till through eternity, you know, as long as you know the earth is around, they're gonna be able to see me. And and there's no telling how how. They, you know, you know they have that, those uh, new, uh, those new uh, three, those new uh, things where they kind of have your body, you know, the, the singer's body on stage singing with them. There's no telling in, in, in time what they're going to be able to do with these exhibits, you know, through the years, the, uh, in the future. So, I mean, it, it, it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that the, that I got to achieve this, and, and, and like I said, a legacy of. My dad looks forward to it because our family name gets to live on, and uh, people will always be able to go see us at all these different museums. The only mistake you made is your agent. You should have had your mom as your agent. Well, obviously, my, my mom was my partial agent on my first contract, but I did wanted to have uh, uh, somebody that had dealt with the team, teams and know the GMs. I mean, it, it's, it's you know, it's kind of a deal where. You need to have people that kind of know those GMs and know how to talk to them because if you have somebody as your agent and it gets real heated, you know, you want to have somebody. I mean, I'm not saying they need to be friends with them, but they need to have an understanding with these guys. So if, if when you start negotiating and things go bad, they already know each other to a certain point, and it's, it's some type of respect there for each other. She probably could do a better job than Master P, though. <laughs> I think she would have done a lot better job. I, I think, yeah, I think she would have done a lot, lot better job. And I, somebody told me the other day that Ricky Williams is coaching uh, some small college in uh, Texas. So I, I know he moved back to Austin, and they do, and they do have a statue of Ricky outside of uh, of the football stadium. Him and Earl Campbell. So I mean, Ricky was a great, great college football player. I mean, he was a good pro, but in college, I mean, the records yeah. he did, what he was able to do. And, and Texas was uh, was was incredible. Now, your maternal grandmother was in Canton when you were inducted, and she said when you left Pee Wee team, you wanted to sleep in a, a jacket that they gave you. When you went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, did you sleep in that yellow blazer? No, no I, did, I did not sleep in the yellow blazer because I wanted to hang it up. <laughs> uh, me, yeah, when I went after the banquet, yeah, I, I mean. You know when I when I when I was when I I was so you know that 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 tells you something. I mean, I'm a grown man now, but 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 you know at those different awards over your time period of growing up, I was so excited, you know, ecstatic to be 
on the team and get an award and get the jack. You know, you walk around school with your, your jersey on. You know, you got jamboree every week. So wearing your jersey to school was a big deal. Walking around uh, uh, with that jacket, you know, getting that jacket, being a part of that team as a youth, it, it was, it, I mean, that, I mean, sports were just, uh, they've always been, uh, me and my brother growing up, a huge part of, a huge part of my life, and and and, and, and that's the way it was. I mean, and sports are a huge part of society. So I, I was just so happy to be able to play and have fun and hang out with the guys. And you you got to run run those laps between those trees, and you got to get up and go to practice, even though it's down the street. You don't feel like going. It's kind of it's kind of like a process to me of one level to the next, and, and you want to conquer each level, and you want to be the best at each level as you get older. And 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 and, and I just the, the journey, the journey of it all. Uh, you know, you, when your life is pretty much consumed with sports, you, know, you miss. I, I miss that. I miss the competition. I miss the uh, you know going through it. You know, being out on that field, running around and. And just going through that everyday process because it, it becomes a big part of your life and when, it, when, that, when, that, when, that, when it's gone. That does it. A big man took up the whole show. We'd like to thank Pro Football Hall of Famer Willie Rowe, our Hall of Fame executive producer Dave Olson, and you, the audience out there somewhere in cyberspace, for taking in this show. Tune in again for Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.